Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So I want to start today with a question. Show of hands, how many of pe- how many people in here enjoy having pineapple on your pizza? All right, all right. So now we know who the adventurous ones are. So while that number may be small in here today, you're certainly not alone uh, because a study was done in 2020. 32,000 people were surveyed, and out of those 32,000 people, 11% or around 3,500 people enjoyed having pineapple on their pizza. But did you know that this pineapple pizza it was not created in Italy, and it wasn't even created in Hawaii? It was actually created in Canada. I know. (laughs) And it was created by a Greek man in 1962. His name was Sam Sam Panopoulos. And so he and his brothers, they had opened up a few different diners. And so he was in the kitchen at one of these restaurants, and he was cooking a pizza when he saw a can of chunk pineapple sitting on the shelf. And he thought, you know what, I'm going to try that out as a new topping. And so he put this pineapple on the pizza and pineapple pizza was born. (laughs) So as we think about the creation of this pizza, it it really wasn't done with much thought or intention. It it was just kind of, it just kind of randomly happened. He just happened to see this, this can sitting on the shelf. And so he, he randomly tried this out and, and, and we got the pineapple pizza. So we're in a series right now titled, Who We Are. And as we're going through this series, we're walking through the different facets of our mission statement. We are a community church with a kingdom mission, meaning that we are a community of believers. But, but as a community of believers, our focus is not on ourselves. Our eyes are not on ourselves. Our focus is, is on the community where God has placed us. It's on the surrounding communities like, like Poth and Floresville and Lavernia and Seguin. And it's also even goes further than that. Our focus is on our state and on our nation and on this world. And this is birthed from a kingdom mission inside of us. Birthed from, from God's word inside of us. Causing us to desire not just to see the kingdom of First Baptist Church Stockdale grow, but we have a desire to see the kingdom of God grow. You see, when we get into God's word and when we allow God's word to get into us, we have a desire for more than just God to be moving amongst ourselves. We have a desire to see God moving outside of these walls. We have a desire to see God moving beyond. This comes from his word. It comes from his kingdom. So let me pause right here and just give you this this overarching truth, this overarching theme that I've been giving you each week that I want you to remember. As a church, it is Christ who unites us, and it is a mission rooted and grounded not in our own ideologies, but in his word and in his kingdom 
that moves us forward in one direction together. And so the kingdom mission that this church body has adopted through God's word and, and through his kingdom is to love, to grow, to serve, and to go. And so as we think about our mission statement, as we think about these words, love, grow, serve, go, understand these things will not just show up in our lives. These things will not just happen in our lives randomly without much thought or intention like the creation of that pizza. Rather, if we're truly going to be a church who loves, grows, serves, and goes, then it will be done with great intention. And I love that, that word, intention or intentional, when it comes to our walk with Christ. Because as we look at the example that God has set for us through the sending of his son, Jesus Christ, into this world, it was not done just randomly. It was not done haphazardly. It was done with great purpose and with great intention. And so as your pastor, part of my desire as we're walking through this series, as we're spending these 11 weeks walking through this series. My desire is that that we would grab hold of this mission statement, that we would we would grab hold of the four facets of this mission statement. And that that we would allow these things to be in our life, that we would see them not just ingredients that we just randomly throw in here and there, but that we would allow these things to be developed and cultivated in our lives each and every day with purpose and intention. So far, we've looked at our call to love, we've looked at our call to grow, and, and the last couple of weeks, we've looked at our call to serve, and we're going to wrap up our look at our call to serve this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, we're going to look at verses 1 through 20 today. John 13, 1 through 20. Now, as you're turning there, let me bring you back to the, the topic of food for a second. You've probably heard the phrase, you are what you eat, right? So, so that phrase really means that, that what we consume, it's going to have a direct impact on how we feel in this life, how we live in this life. If we eat healthier foods, then we're going to feel healthier, and the same could be said if we eat unhealthy foods, right? So that phrase, you are what you eat, it, it originates from the year 1826 when in his book, The Psychology of Taste, a French author, he, he said this, tell me what you eat and I will tell you what you are. So here's the beauty about belie uh, being a believer in Jesus Christ. In Christ, we are invited to his table. And as we come to his table, symbolically speaking, we are able to partake of him. And, and as we we partake of him. We recognize that it was his body that was broken for us. We recognize that it was his blood that was poured out for us. And so as we come to his table, as we partake of him, not just during the Lord's Supper, but, but really as we come to him and as we partake of him each and every day of our lives, what we see is that, that it impacts our life, that, that we begin to become uh, conformed into his image, that, that, that he begins to transform us and make us more like him. And, and so in doing so, we, we could say spiritually speaking, we are what we eat. We are what we partake of. So 
In our passage this morning, we're going to see Jesus wash the disciples' feet. And, and this, this moment, this event of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, this significant moment in the lives of the disciples, and this lesson really for, for all believers, it's centered around the table of Jesus. It's centered around this, this Lord's Supper or this Last Supper. And so while we don't believe that we are truly eating the body of Jesus, we don't believe that we're truly drinking his blood, we do believe that it's important for us to pause from time to time as a community of believers, as a church body, to come to the table together and to partake of Jesus together, just as we are called to do this each and every day of our lives. So at this time, I'm going to invite the deacons forward. And even before we read our text today, we're going to pause right now to celebrate the Lord's Supper today, uh, together, to, to come to the table together to remember what Christ has done for us. Now, as they're coming, let me just give these instructions. If you have given your life to Christ, if, if you would say today that Jesus is your Lord then I would invite you to the table. You don't have to be a member here at First Baptist Church Stockdale to, to partake of the Lord's Supper with us. But if you would say, I have not yet given my life to Christ, I have not yet allowed Jesus to be the Lord of my life, then I would encourage you to just let the, the plate pass by you. Because here's the deal. When, when we share in the Lord's Supper, we are saying that we share in Christ's sufferings. We are saying we share in his glory. This is more than just a religious ritual that, we, that we're going through. This, this means something. We are saying that we share in what Christ did on the cross. And so if you've not yet made Jesus your Lord, if you would say, man, I, honestly, I, I can't say that I share in his suffering. I can't say that I share in his glory. Then just let that plate pass on by you. So at this time, I'm going to pass these plates out to our deacons and, and let them begin to pass this out to you.
So if you haven't already done so, you're going to peel back just that top layer to take the bread. And let's pause right now to, to thank the Lord for his body that has been broken for us. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your willingness to have your body broken for us, Lord, to, to have it brutally beaten to have those nails driven into your hands, Lord. Lord, giving up your body here on this earth, Lord, that we might receive life. We thank you, Lord. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So now you can peel off that second layer, and that's going to expose the, the cup of juice. And let's just pause now to thank the Lord for his blood that has been shed for us. Dear Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for a sacrifice that we could not make on our own. Lord, our blood could do nothing, but your blood could do everything. And so, Lord, we thank you for your blood that was poured out for us, that in you we might have life. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Jesus said, this, is, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So I'm going to allow the deacons to go back to their seats at this time. As we think about the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper really is one of the greatest examples of service that we have. Because as we think about the Lord's Supper in relationship to looking back at the cross, we know, we can see what Jesus meant. We can fully understand what Jesus meant when he said, this bread is, is my body broken for you. We can fully understand what Jesus meant when he said that this, this cup is my blood which has been poured out for you. But when it came to the disciples, there would have still been a little bit of confusion. They had not yet seen Jesus go to the cross. They had not yet seen his body truly broken for them or his blood truly poured out for them. And so Jesus, Jesus moved beyond just breaking the bread and, and, and pouring the cup, passing the cup. And, and he gave them a very visual symbol of service to them. By washing their feet. So we're going to read this now. John chapter 13 verses 1 through 20. It says, Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now when it was time for supper, 
the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God, and that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel and tied it around his waist. Next he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. He came to Simon Peter who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you don't realize now, but afterward you will understand. You will never wash my feet, Peter said. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. One who has bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet, but he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined and said to, said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should, all, you should do just as I have done for you. Truly, I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I'm not speaking about all of you. I know those I have chosen, but the scripture must be fulfilled. The one who eats my bread has raised his heel against me. I'm telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. Truly, I tell you, whoever, whoever receives anyone I send receives me, and the one who receives me receives him who sent me. So as we look at this passage this morning, there, there are a couple of reasons that I believe that we are called to serve, reasons that, that we see from Jesus' example here that we are called to serve beyond just Jesus telling us to follow his example. I believe that, that there are some reasons that, that we can talk about today. But before we do, I want to simply highlight the symbolism of this foot washing. So in verse 8, there, there's kind of this argument going on between Peter and Jesus. Peter is, is saying, no, 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 Jesus, you cannot wash my feet. But Jesus says these words, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. If I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Understand, apart from being cleansed by Jesus, there is no true fellowship with him. Apart from being cleansed by Jesus, there is no true fellowship with him. Now, in just a few minutes, we're going to talk about the, the big negative in, in Peter's life. But, but let me just take a, a moment to talk about some of these positives that, that are in Peter's life. Peter was a disciple that that proclaimed the good news of Jesus. He even cast out demons in the name of Jesus. And yet, Peter still needed Jesus to wash him. Peter was, was also the disciple that, that saw Jesus walking out on the water, out on that lake, and Peter called out to him. And when he found out it was Jesus, he hopped out of the boat and he, he literally ran on top of the water. He walked on that water out to Jesus. In that moment, Peter exhibited such great faith 
at least until he took his eyes off Jesus and began to sink. But he had great faith, and still, Peter still needed to be washed by Jesus. Peter was also one of only three disciples that got to be present, present during the transfiguration of Jesus on the side of the mount, that mountain with Moses and Elijah. And yet, Peter still needed to be washed by Jesus. You see, apart from being cleansed by Jesus, there is no true fellowship with him. Now, this is important for us to grasp because I think it's very easy for us to begin going through the motions uh, of, of what it means to go to church or what it means to be a Christian here in our country and in our world today. But listen, it doesn't matter how many church services you have attended or that you're going to attend. It, it doesn't matter how long you've been a member of your growth group, maybe even since it was called Sunday School all that time ago, right? You've been a member for a long time. Right. It, it doesn't matter how many Lord's Suppers you have participated in. Unless your life has been cleansed by Jesus, you do not have true fellowship with him. Now this, is, this was the significance of the symbolism of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. He didn't simply wash their feet so that so that their feet could be made clean. He washed their feet so that they would understand that he was the only one that could truly make them clean. Jesus is the only one that can truly make us clean. Jesus is the only one that can truly make you clean. Good deeds will not make you clean. Religious works will not make you clean. Church attendance will not make you clean. Jesus is the only one that can make you clean. This is why Jesus went to the cross to die for your sins and mine. Because he is the one and only one that has the power and the authority to cleanse us for all eternity. You can't cleanse yourself of your sins. I can't cleanse you of your sins. Jesus is the only one that can cleanse you of your sins. No person... No false God in this world can do that. Only Jesus can. And so Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. But here's the beauty of what the foot washing reveals. Jesus wants to wash us. Jesus wants to cleanse us. And so the question today is not, does Jesus want to wash you? And the question is not, can Jesus wash you? The question is, have you let Jesus wash you? Have you let Jesus cleanse you? Peter wasn't going to let Jesus wash him, but when he found out that in order to have that fellowship with Jesus, he had to be washed by Jesus, then Peter was like, then take all of me. Don't just wash my feet. Wash all of me, Lord. And may that be our desire as well. Don't just take a little part of me, Jesus. Here, have all of me. Wash all of me. It's not a question of whether or not Jesus wants to wash you. He wants to. He wants to cleanse you. The question is, is have you let Jesus wash you today? But now as we move beyond simply the symbolism of this foot washing there's this great example of service that we see in Jesus washing the disciples' feet. 
Now, if you remember from last week, the disciples were arguing over which one of them was the greatest disciple. They're, they seemed to be lobbying over some sort of position of power. And so Jesus kind of gives them this reminder that true greatness isn't found in a position of power. Rather, true greatness is found in a position of service. True greatness isn't found in a position of power. True greatness is found in a position of service. And so as we continue to consider our call to serve today, and there are two things I want you to walk away with. First, we are called to serve because we are called to love. We are called to serve because we are called to love. What does verse 1 say again? Before the Passover festival... Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. We're called to serve because we are called to love. Now, if you think back to my first message in this series, all the way back to January, one of the statements that I made is that if we are going to grow if we're going to serve and if we are going to go it will be a result of or it will be a, a out of an overflow of our love and, and this rings true today because our motivation to serve God and our motivation to serve others will be a result of our love and we see this modeled very clearly in the life of Jesus, but it's also laid out for us in this passage. Because when we see that phrase, the hour had come, it's not talking about the hour coming for Jesus to ascend. This is talking about the hour coming for Jesus to be crucified. Many times throughout the book of John, what we see is, is that John says the hour had not yet come. And so Jesus was able to preach and teach with authority he was able to to perform miracles without being arrested without being crucified at that time because the hour had not yet come but now the hour had come and so Jesus knowing that the hour had come knowing that he was about to be betrayed knowing that he was about to be arrested that he was about to be brutally beaten and crucified Knowing that the hour had come, it says Jesus loved his own who were in the world to the end. Now this is certainly referring to the disciples then, but I believe that this refers to those of us that are still in the world today. That Jesus loved us to the end as well. Now, a better translation for that phrase, he loved them to the end, would be to say that he loved them to the fullest extent. Because the heart of that, that phrase in the original language is not meant to describe the timeline or the moment of Jesus' love. It's meant to describe the measure of Jesus' love. So let me pause right here and, and say this. Jesus doesn't just love you a little. Jesus has loved you to the fullest extent. Jesus doesn't just love you a little. Jesus has loved you to the fullest extent. And so... We see the measure of Jesus' love for us symbolically through the washing of the disciples' feet, but we see it fully displayed through his sacrifice for us on the cross. And so as we think about how, how we are called both as, as members of First Baptist Church Stockdale, but, but also as believers 
to, to serve others, understand we are called to love and to serve to the fullest extent. We are called to love and to serve to the fullest extent. So not too long ago, my family and I, we went out to eat on a Friday night. And, and the food at the restaurant was pretty good, but I'll be honest, the service was just kind of mediocre. Now, we got our food, we, we got our drinks, but, but it, it just kind of seemed like the waitress, wait, waitress was doing the bare minimum to serve us. So let me pause right here just for a moment of, of reflection, and let me ask you to ask yourself this question. Am I loving and serving to the fullest extent, or am I just doing the bare minimum? Am I loving and serving to the fullest extent, or am I just doing the bare minimum? And let me just say, as your pastor, it's my desire that as a church, we would not just do the bare minimum, but that we would be a church that loves and serves to the fullest extent. So if you would say, you know what, if I'm honest, I, I've got to admit to myself and to, and to God that, that I'm just kind of doing the bare minimum, then let me just encourage you to begin praying a simple prayer. Lord, teach me to love and serve like you, that I might love and serve to the fullest extent. So we're called to serve because we're called to love. Second and finally, we're called to serve because we are called to be humble. What does verse 13 say again? Jesus says this, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're speaking rightly since that is what I am. We're called to serve because we are called to be humble. Understand this act of service, this act of, of Jesus wrapping the towel around his waist, getting up from the table and washing the disciples' feet. It was more than just an act of love. It was an act of great humility. In fact, in, in that culture at the time, and even today, a student would be considered less than their teacher. The teacher's at a higher level. And so even at that time, a, a student would never have been asked to wash his teacher's feet. And so to, to see Jesus, to see the teacher wash the student's feet would be unthinkable. It would be unexpected. And yet this is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus did the unthinkable. Jesus did the unexpected. So we live in a world and a culture that's really all about me, me, me. And in a time where hardware costs are going up and grocery prices are rising and gas prices are soaring, right? You got to take out a loan just to fill up your tank. In a time where, where everything is going up, it's become very easy and almost expected for us to, to just look out for myself, look out for my own interests. And so as we think about this, as we're in a time where it's kind of expected for us to look out for ourselves and for us to look out for our own needs, let's do the unexpected Instead of looking out for my own interests, let's be committed to looking out for others. Let's be committed to this attitude of humility, and let's adopt an attitude of service. So several years ago, Sarah and I made the decision that we weren't going to, to continue to try and have our, to, to seek out 
having our needs met by the other. It's very easy to get into that very selfish mentality. This is what you are supposed to do for me. But we made the decision. We're not going to try and get our needs met by the other person. Instead, we are going to strive to meet the needs of the other person. And here's the beauty of this. When, when I am striving to meet her needs and she is striving to meet my needs, both of our needs are still being met, but it's not met out of an attitude of selfishness. It's met out of an attitude of selflessness. Listen, we, we live in a world where, where selfishness is, is very present. This world is very selfish. That's expected. So let's do the unexpected. Let's adopt an attitude of humility and let's look for ways that we can meet the needs of others and begin serving. Now, before we close, I want to quickly point out two individuals that were present in this passage, present at the foot washing. That's Peter and Judas. Now, we know Peter was present. We already talked about that with with all of the positive from Peter's life, but, but there's also one big negative in Peter's life. Peter was just hours away from vehemently denying ever knowing Jesus, and yet Jesus still washed Peter's feet. Also, Judas was present. Judas was just moments away from going to betray Jesus. Now, part of this was because some prophecies were being fulfilled with Judas being present for the Lord's Supper. But Judas was there present for this foot washing, about to betray Jesus, about to hand Jesus over to the guards for him to be arrested and crucified, and yet Jesus still washed Judas's feet. You see, as we think about having this attitude of love and humility and service, it's very easy to serve those that are good to us. But as we look at Jesus washing Peter's feet and Judas's feet, I think it's a reminder for us that we are called to serve even those that it would be undesirable for us to do so. We're not called to just be humble and to serve those that that are good to us, that love us, we are called to serve even those that it would be undesirable to do so. Jesus didn't humble himself and, and serve the disciples because they loved him. Jesus humbled himself and served the disciples because he loved them. And he loved them to the fullest extent. And it was out of his love and out of his humility that he gave us this great example of service. And here at First Baptist Church Stockdale, we are committed to humbling ourselves. We are committed to, to loving others. And we are committed to adopting this attitude of Christ that we might serve others. Because this is who we are. But I want, to, I want to bring you back to this statement once again. Jesus didn't just love the disciples then to the fullest extent. He has loved you to the fullest extent by going to the cross, by giving his life for your sins and for mine. And so if you would say that, that you have never allowed Jesus to be the Lord of your life today, then I want to give you an opportunity 
to respond this morning. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And today, if you would say, man, I recognize the sin that's in my life that needs to be cleansed by Jesus. I recognize that, that I have never been cleansed by Jesus. Therefore, right now, I have no part with him. But today, you are ready to, to humble yourself and to come before the Lord and to say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, cleanse me. You're ready to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Then as we sing this song, I would invite you to respond. I'm going to be standing right down front. Step out of your seat as we sing. Come and join me down here. Let's talk and pray. Today can be the day that you are cleansed by Jesus. Today can be the day of your salvation. And maybe you're here and you would say you've given your life to Christ, but you've never taken that step of making it public through baptism. But you're ready to do that as well. You're ready to, to not keep your faith silent, not keep it private, but you're ready to declare Jesus as Lord very publicly through that baptism, which we are called to do as believers. If that's you, I would invite you to respond as well. You can come and talk with me and pray with me, and we can make that commitment together today for you to be baptized. Maybe you're here today and you would say, you've given your life to Christ and you've been baptized already and you've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale and you know that God's calling you to make this your church home. You know that as we have been walking through our mission statement here, that, that you're called to be a part of that, to be a part of what God's doing here in this church and in this community and the surrounding communities. If God's calling you to join First Baptist Stockdale this morning, then I would invite you to respond as well. You can come down here, we can talk, we can pray, and you can become a member of this church body today. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, though, I would encourage you to respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now and let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.